welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I want to welcome right now everybody that is watching online and all of our campuses around the Twin Cities as well. Right now, Apple Valley, can we welcome all of our campuses as well as our missionaries watching around the world? We love you. Love that we get to do this together. And want to highlight the fact that officially we are beginning Seek Week. Church, we are pumped about what God is going to do at Seek Week. And just highlighting, if you have not yet made plans to participate Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night for services, pursuing the presence of God, please make plans to do so. On Monday night, Pastor Glenn Berteau is going to be preaching. He has a miracle testimony of being left for dead and God resurrecting him back to life. And he was also, side note, Pastor Rob's youth pastor. And so we're really excited for Pastor Glenn Berteau on Tuesday night. We've got evangelist Martha Tennyson. She is in her 80s and she has more energy than you could ever imagine. She's going to be jumping up and down, running across this stage and here and at Crosstown, we're going to be joining together campuses. You're either attending Apple Valley or you're attending Crosstown as well as online. We will be streaming Wednesday nights of family service and we want to include the whole church uh, to join in as we pray over the next generation and believe God for greater things that the church Greater days are ahead than behind us. Do we believe it? Greater days are ahead for the church of Jesus Christ than are behind us. And we believe that firmly. And Pastor Rob's going to wrap it up on Thursday. And he's going to give extended times uh, of altar and of worship. And every person that shows up for Seek Week on Thursday is going to be prayed over. As long as it takes, every person who shows up uh, will be prayed for. Friday night, joining the city campus is our street teams. You do have to register. Please go to rivervalley.org forward slash seekweek. Register for serve teams. And on Saturday is our annual serve day. And if you have not yet registered for that, that's also at the link I just mentioned. And we're doing this together. Seek week. God is going to do the incredible, the miraculous, the supernatural. And I really felt this during worship today. It's not too late for you to raise your expectation of what God can do at Seek Week. It's not too late of what God can do at Seek Week in your life and many others. We are, that was a long intro, but we are in the middle now, week two of a series on the book of First Peter. We're going to spend the next few weeks this summer going through the book together. Pastor Rob, last weekend, taught on 1 Peter chapter 1. He talked about the fact that we as Christ followers have a living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. We don't have like a wishing hope as Christ followers. Man, I just, I, I, I hope, I, I wish, I, I'm, I think. No, it's an assurance our living hope is an assurance. Jesus Christ is alive and well, and in him we have eternal life forever and ever and ever. Death, where is your sting? Whoo. Don't want to re-preach it. And today, this weekend, we're talking about 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. You know, Peter is 
writing this letter to the Christ followers in that day and age, now it's modern day Turkey, this would have been a circular letter. They would have, it would have been in circulation. They would have pa- passed it from city to city, you know, kind of like, you know, Crosstown, Minatrista, Faribault, Egan. Let's not do all 10 right now. Chaska. This letter was written to the church. Uh, the church was, was uh, facing some turmoil, facing some turbulence, facing a little bit of persecution at the time, and more was to come. And Peter was saying, hey, this is how you live. This is how you live as a Christ follower. Following Jesus is not always the easiest thing in the world. In this life, you will have trouble. Trial will come. How do I live through thick and thin? As a Christ follower, Peter's writing this letter. And let's read this together. We talked last week, living hope. And this week, we're talking about living stones. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, But in sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. We're going to talk about that. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness in the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The title of this message is what we're talking about, Living Stones and Priests. Lord, we thank you for this moment together as a church, your church, a beautiful church. Lord, we thank you for what you are building. You are building this church. Holy Spirit, would you have your way today? Over the next few moments, Holy Spirit, you are in charge Have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. This is going to be a little bit of a shared message, by the way, in just uh, a bit. I've got three different clips from River Valley Conference. Just a little bit ago, we hosted our River Valley Conference, hosting many pastors and leaders. Some of you may have been serving at the conference, and we had a guest speaker. His name is Nathan Finocchio. And uh, he taught on 1 Peter chapter 2. And so rather than re-preaching his message, also he's got a little different flavor. <laughs> I kind of describe him, this is o- overstating it probably, but I kind of describe him as a modern day John the Baptist, like a locust and honey kind of guy. <laughs> a little unorthodox. But he is a next generation theologian and what he Will, what you will see in just a moment is the truth of God's word. And so we'll get there in just a second. I'd love to start just by saying, 
Peter, Peter, he writes this, the, the first verse we read, he says, as you come to him. And we'll just stop there for a second. As you come, the imagery is that it's continual. It's again and again and again and again and again. As you come to the Lord, they would have read this letter as an individ, individually as you come to him. So in your quiet time, in your prayer closet, in your rhythm of life and schedule, as you come to the Lord, as you meet with the Lord, this is happening time and time again. And praise God for the faithful men and women that say, I'm waking up tomorrow morning and I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I come to him continually. I'm, I'm drawing near to him continually. I'm, I'm, I'm going again, but not just individually, but you would come to him collectively. The importance of the gathered church and what you're doing right now in this room and at all of our campuses. The gathered church. Why are we doing this? What is this about? And Peter's saying, as you, this is what we do. And we'll talk about why we do what we do in a moment. As you come to him continually in your individual life and corporately in the church, you are a living stone. Peter writes, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, you're chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. You know, the thing, like Peter's just writing this letter and, and full of the Holy Spirit, you know, this lands in the word of God, the eternal word of God. So it is, it is the, it's, it's from God, but it's from Peter. And I was just wondering like, how, okay, he, he talked about living hope and now he's talking about stones and where, you know, where does he get the imagery of, of stone? He's talking about living stone. And I just was having this thought and, and doing research as well. Think about who Peter was as one of the disciples. I mean, this guy was, he was a little unorthodox as well. This guy, he jumped out of the boat to walk on water, to meet with Jesus. This is the guy that in the garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is being arrested. He takes out his sword and slices an ear off. I mean, he's the same guy that Jesus, when he asked the disciples, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in verse 18, Jesus responds, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I think Peter took that as a new nickname. Like Peter the rock. Peter the stone. Peter the brick. And now he's writing to the church of Jesus Christ saying, Jesus is the cornerstone. And he, and he gave me this nickname, the rock. And I want to extend to the church. The Holy Spirit wants to extend to you, the church today. You are a living stone. You are a brick, and God is the brick layer. He's building something amazing. The Lord is adding who he is saving. Those that are being saved, one piece of evidence that they are being saved is that they are added to the church. They're not saved and floating out on their own. They're saved and they're being added. Acts 2.47, the believers praise God. This is first century church and were respected by all people. More and more, people were being saved every day. 
And the Lord was adding them to their group. David Wheaton says this, by constant communion with Christ, the living stone, Christians will become like him living stones. By itself, a stone is of little use, but joined with others, it becomes part of a building. A living stone has a purpose to be a part of the whole. Why do we come to church the way that we do? You're fulfilling your purpose as a living stone in Christ Jesus. You are a brick. Let's see what Nathan Finocchio says about this. Have you ever seen a brick and it's just hanging out all by itself? It's like, oh, buddy. <laughs> right? He's like chipped. It's like, oh, nobody wants you. Right? It's always weird to see a brick all by itself because it's like you're not, you know exactly what's wrong. He's alone. He wasn't designed to be alone. He was designed to be with other bricks. Our people are fulfilling one of their primary roles just by coming to the gathered church every Sunday. Why don't they know that? Why don't we tell them that? Dude, you're being a living stone today because at home, in your underwear, watching church online, eating hot Cheetos, you're a rolling stone. I'm sorry. I like church online if you're in traction. Right? If you're, operate, if you're doing like a drone strike in the Middle East, you know what I mean? It's like, watch church online. You hearing me? Right, but if, but if you are at home and, you know, you can come to church, come to church, be a living stone. We want you to be a living stone. I told you, he's, he's a wild man, and we love him. And we do love every person that is a part of our online campus. And we actually do. Can I tell you, there, there are people around the world because they're missionaries serving uh, and they're answering the call of God. This is their home church and they stream in online. There are other people in remote places. There are other people that say, I, in the community that I live in, there is not a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, missional church. And so we, we do love you and we're so grateful. I, but I think the fulfillment of what we are called to be as Christ followers is to also participate in the gathering of the saints. So we're living stones and that comes from the fact that we're trying to be like Christ. The second point is that Jesus is the living stone, also known, known as the cornerstone. Let's walk through the Bible just a second. In the Old Testament, Moses was leading the people through the wilderness. And in Exodus chapter 6, there's more uh, picture of, of rocks and stone and this, this symbolism of how we actually got to the point that Jesus was called this. He was called the living stone. Exodus 17 verse 6 says, Behold, I will stand before you there. This is God talking. On the rock at Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Just, just pause for a moment. What else was stricken 
Isaiah prophesied that one day there would be a Messiah that we esteemed him stricken. And just like that rock, after it was struck by Moses, outflowed water. As Jesus was stricken on the cross to the point of death, out of him flowed rivers of living water that we could have life in the blood of Jesus. Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. He's writing the church in Corinth says, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. And the rock was Christ. Who? Calling it out. They weren't just drinking water from a rock that Moses struck. They were drinking from Christ. The rock was Christ. The cornerstone, also known as the foundation stone, 1 Corinthians 3.11, just earlier in that same letter. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. We live in a world right now, everybody's trying to lay new foundation. New belief, new truth, new ideology. Nope, you don't get to lay new foundation. Jesus Christ is the foundational stone. Everything else is false. Everything else is off. Jesus said, I'm the word. So if Jesus is the foundational stone, how do we find out what he's all about and how that stone is laid? Where is level? Which way is this thing facing? Which way are we going? What is happening? We find it in the word of God. Peter preached this while he was on trial. So not only did he write this letter, this is like a theme for who he is. They had healed somebody that was lame, Peter and John, through the power of God. And then they were arrested and his life was on the line. So you might think like, man, it's nice that he's all, you know, he's all safe. Just write a little, little churchy letter like, you know, hey guys, you live in stone. But also while his life was on the line, this is what he preached. Acts 4, 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. And he was talking to the religious leaders. Maybe some of them were the same that were there when they crucified Jesus. Which has become, Jesus has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The cornerstone determines where it's facing, how it's level. It is what we should align our life with. You know, Peter wrote in the letter, uh, if you disobey the word of God, then this cornerstone is actually going to become a stumbling block. It's, it's actually going to be offensive. I just had this thought of, you know, can you just imagine seeing a soccer ball sitting on the ground? And some, you know, you just get this urge like, when's the last time I kicked a soccer ball? Stretch a little bit. And you, you go to try to kick this soccer ball as hard as you can to find out it's a 15-pound bowling ball. That's offensive. How mad would you be? And can I tell you, the cornerstone. Align your life with the cornerstone. It's not going to move. Just like the bowling ball's not going to move very far. 
as I break my toes on it. And there are people, there are people. Well, I, I, in the church, there's people. I, I, I just love, I love Jesus, and he kind of fits in with the, my, my, you know, it's just, can we kind of like, we, you know, we kind of do it. I, and here's kind of what I was, here's, here's the revelation I got, you know, so I kind of, here's what I was, you know, there's a lot of that. And I, I was encouraged, I saw a pastor say, when you're raising kids, if, if the gathering of the saints is negotiable in your house, then as they leave your house as grown-ups, then God is negotiable. But the cornerstone's not moving. It's like this life is, is like whitewater rapids. And I don't, know, I don't know if you've been whitewater rafting. Let's do a poll. We haven't done that in a while. If you've been whitewater rafting here and at all the campuses, raise your hand. Wow, adventurous here in Minnesota. Imagine if you fell out of the boat in the rapids. What are you, what are you gonna look for? I mean, air, first of all. But you're gonna look for a rock that is not moving. And that's what Peter's saying. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. That's what Paul is saying. Jesus Christ is the foundational stone. He's the only thing in this life that's not faltering, that will not be shaken. His kingdom cannot be shaken. And this applies to last week's message as well. If you're a part of our church and you are suffering, you're suffering and I'm, I'm in the rapids of life. I'm dying. I need help. Look for the rock that will not be shaken and his name is Jesus Christ. Grab a hold of the rock. I'm not trying to fit Jesus into my life. I'm giving my whole self to Jesus Christ, the foundational stone, the cornerstone. I'm aligning my life with his word. Everything else is false. Psalm 62, five through seven. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. Are you suffering? Are you hurting? The truth is I will not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my mighty rock. My God is my refuge. You're a living stone. You're a brick. Jesus is the living stone. And Peter continues his letter and says, but you're also a priest. So as you come to him continually, individually, but now corporately, the priestly language is corporate language. Because what did the priests do in the Old Testament? They, they came to the tabernacle of Moses. They came to the tabernacle of David. They came to the temple of Solomon. They, 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 they were coming to a collective gathering. What were they doing? They were coming to give of themselves, to minister, to offer up sacrifices. And just as much as you are a living stone, as Christ is a living stone, you are a priest. Let's see what Nathan Finocchio has to say about this. 
And the living stones are built up as a spiritual house. The gathered church becomes the priestly church, built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So, of course, you can offer them everywhere, but this, Peter is saying, man, the gathered church is where we really unlock some aspects of the priesthood that we just don't lock, unlock alone. We used to sing this song. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Hey, of the Lord. Mm. We bring the sacrifice of praise. Yes, we do. Into the house. Hey, of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Ooh. <laughs> Horrible song. Great theology. Because we, we, we were singing about our job. What, what's happened is that, see, everywhere else, our people are consumers. Everywhere else, they're consumers. And I'm cool with that, actually. Go free market capitalism. Man, if you open a cafe and your music sucks, and your food, your food is awful, and your staff are, are awful, I hope that your business dies. <laughs> I will tell everybody not to go there. But if you open up a cafe, and the food's amazing, and, and the music's amazing, and your staff are polite, I'll tell everybody to go there, and I hope that your business thrives. We vote with our dollars, and that's a good thing, right? It keeps the market in check by appealing to people's greed. It's wonderful. <laughs> the assumption of capitalism is that people are, are sinful. That's a good assumption. <laughs> right? So, I digress. <laughs> when we leave and we're out there, we're always voting with our dollars. We're a consumer, we're a consumer, we're a consumer, we're a consumer. And that's cool. You know, we got our Yelp reviews. We're Yelp reviewing people, lighting businesses on fire a paragraph at a time. It's fantastic. <laughs> but what happens is our, people come into church and they remain a consumer. And we've not taught them that they're a priest. And if Protestant churches don't teach the most foundational principle of the Protestant Reformation, that we're all priests, this thing is not going to work. Right? So either go be a Catholic and be passive in the Mass, He's like, you, you do it. You do it. Can you do it? No, no, you do it. Right? That's Protestantism. You do it. It's your job. You're the priest, brah. Right? Like, literally, this is not the worship band. You are the worship band. They are just facilitating your job to offer the sacrifices. You are a priest. As much as you're a living stone, you are a priest. Worship is amazing corporately, not when we hold our coffee cups and enjoy a professional uh, performance. Worship is amazing when the priests all collectively have come to give God glory with their full attention, 
with their full gift, ready to give of their time, talent, and treasure, saying, I've come to glorify the Lord. Let's talk about Seek Week. Man, I'm coming to receive a healing. I'm coming to receive a calling. I'm coming to receive some encouragement from some people around me. No. You're a priest. And you're going to come to Seek Week ready to pour yourself out before the Lord. Ready to pour out your worship. To pour out your praise to give of your time and your talent and your treasure, things that mean something to you with your full attention. There's a Hebrew word, kabod, and it means wait, wait. But it also means your presentness, present. Have you ever been driving on the road and you go, you know, 30 minutes and you're like, was I driving? I was driving, but I was not there. And you can come to church and not come to church. Bring your kabod, your presentness, your time, talent, treasure, your awareness, the weightiness, like God, this is what I'm here for, to glorify your name. You want to know what's awesome? Is when you give God your presentness. When you come with that motive, you will never outgive God. So when you bring your worship, when you bring your money, that you're not giving to the church, you're giving to God. When you give your gift to serve, you're giving it before the Lord. When you give your weighty presentness, what you receive is God's weightier presentness. What you receive is his glory over your life. What you receive is his mercy, his goodness. His, I, when you come like that, I promise you, because this is the word of God, you will receive more than you gave. One last clip. And see, that's the whole point of church. The whole point of church is as we give to the Lord, he shows up in glory. Like, why do we come? We come to minister to him. As, he, as we're ministering to him, he shows up. We can experience him on a corporate level, but on an individual level. There's this principle in the Old Testament. Every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. Every single time that somebody builds an altar the way God asked for it, and they put what God asked for on the altar, God literally, every single time, shows up. Every single time. So when I come to church, I can't wait to lift my hands because I need God. That's why I do it. Because every acceptable sacrifice has a divine response. When I lift my hands, I know that fire's coming on my altar. Right? When I give my money, I know that fire's coming on my altar. 
It's what we, why we do what we do is because we need the presence of God in our lives and in our churches. And our people need to know why they give. Well, we're going to, we give because we're extending the gospel. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, we give because we need to get this new thing. Yeah, it's part of it. We give because, no, you're giving because you get God. You give because you need the glory of God in your life. What would it look like if God's kabod started to show up in your life? That's what it looks like for Christians who are priests. And as pastors, we need a reminding just like that. What is it? Why do I do what I do? Because I desperately need the glory of God in my life. And why do we gather as a church? Because we need to meet with God. That's why. First and foremost, we build altars. Can we stand here and at every campus? In Christ, you're a living stone. Because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And you are a priest every time you come to gather. Every time you come to him, come to give him glory. And I promise you cannot outgive him. He will respond. Why do we do this? Because we get God. Sometimes we say a cute phrase, we don't give to get. What we mean by that when we say it is, is, hey, I want this thing. Or I'm hoping for that promotion. Or I'm hoping, you know, to kind of position my... No, no, that's, that's not why we give. But we do give our presentness, our best, our first fruits. Why? Because fire is coming on that altar every time. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. And I pray that we would live this out like never before. I pray that revival would happen in our church because people grab on to the living stone through this crazy rapids of a life. We would grab on to the living stone that this is not negotiable. This is who we are to offer up ourselves just like you did as a living sacrifice to give you our whole life again and again and again and again. Change us from the inside out. I pray that each person under the sound of my voice would get a fresh revelation that they are priests. And every time they come to you, they're coming to give a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of worship, to proclaim your goodness before you and to the ends of the earth. Bless our church. Bless Seek Week. Pour your spirit out on this church like never before this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.